0: let's talk about some of the original bank robbers and train heists. Looks like another bank robbery, boys. You may know Jesse James, but I doubt you know the gentleman thief from Canada who mounted and robbed trains as they twist and turned along the Canadian West Coast. 35 years after Jesse James robbed the Davis County Savings Bank by walking in and demanding some money, Another American outlaw was collecting cash and gold from a moving target, mail trains. Jesse James has gone on to be loved by many. His story isn't all that exciting, though. Jesse was noted uh, for being a gambler. Nobody was expecting to be robbed, so he just had to ask for the money. And being a very bad gambler. The Robin Hood stories, by all accounts, they were about as real as Robin Hood. Jesse James just wasn't a nice guy. He continued to engage in get-rich-quick schemes, cornering the local corn market in his county. Compare that to Bill Miner, gentleman thief who coined the phrase, Put your hands up! It might seem like an obvious thing to say. I mean, what else are you going to say? Hands in your pockets or you're, you're disqualified. Unlike Jesse James, Bill Miner's story is a lot more interesting. And like most Canadians, he was a bit friendlier than his U.S. counterpart. One of the more successful Canadian movies was called The Grey Fox, a charming combination of gangster and Western conventions whose hero was an engaging rascal named Bill Miner. The thing of it is, Bill Miner was a real person. Bill Miner was a career criminal, and a bad one at that. I mean, he didn't become famous for the first Canadian train robbery until he was 54. And by that point in his life, he'd already spent 33 years in prison. Like I said, he was a terrible criminal. But we're not going to focus on his failings, we're going to focus on his successes. We thought it might be instructive to take a look at the true story of the Gray Fox. And as it turns out, it's at least as charming as the fictional version. During his life, he'd committed dozens of robberies. But he committed these robberies exclusively on big corporations and was always super polite. And he never hurt anyone. Well, the people in his gang got hurt and died all the time but he never hurt the people he was stealing from. And that was part of his genius. Not to mention, he had a badass mustache. Bill Miner is known as the Gray Fox, or the Gentleman Bandit. He's like a Robin Hood type guy. He would steal from the rich and give to the poor. Or at least, that's how the legend goes. Now let's get down to it. Let's talk about the first Canadian train robbery. In September of 1904, Bill Miner and his gang hit up a CPR train just outside of Mission. This is really close to where I'm from, Mission, British Columbia. It's right where I grew up, so this one really hits close to home for me, quite literally. Bill Miner's technique was pretty genius. They would find a place where the train had to slow down, like a huge corner or curve, and they would board it there because, well, the train is traveling the slowest. They'd pull their guns out and tell everybody, hands up, but they would do it super polite. They'd make the engineer stop the train. Then they would unhook the mail car. That's the car that's going to be carrying all the checks, bonds and cash, all of the good stuff. They'd unhook that car and then they'd make the engineer drive the rest of the train a few miles down track. It's genius. So what did they get away with? Well, $6,000 in gold dust, $900 in currency and $50,000 in US bonds. What does $57,000 in 1904 equal today? Well, that's basically like getting a score of $1.6 million. Now that's a payday. And they got away with it. Canada was pretty ill-prepared to stop train robbers, I guess, and maybe too polite. The bonds were highly traceable, so old Bill Miner hid them and planned to cash them in later when the heat was off. What did the police do? Well, in Canada, the police are called Mounties, and nowadays they're known for wearing funny hats. But back then, they were highly trained law enforcement, and they weren't happy. The instructors all agree the trick of making a good Mountie is in the selection even more than in the training. While there is no rule to this effect, you will seldom find the son of a wealthy man in the scarlet uniform. The self-seeker finds little encouragement here, but still, the personal pride and the high esteem of the Mounties Protectorate are rare values indeed, despite the fact the outer service of the materialistic world would seem to say otherwise. They offered reward for Bill Miner for $11,500. So this made Bill Miner and his gang decide they had to lay low for a while and just live off their latest score. He wasn't even being that cunning about it. He was hiding in plain sight. He was living as a guy named George Edwards up in Kamloops which is only like two and a half hours away from where they did the robbery. And by all accounts, George Edwards was a super nice guy. No one suspected him. Isn't that always the way? A couple years goes by, and in 1906, they figure, let's do it again. And that's exactly what they did. May 8th of 1906, they decide to rob another train. Only this time, maybe they're a little lazier. I don't know. But they decided to rob a train that was only 14 kilometers outside of Kamloops. I guess Bill didn't want to have a big commute to work. I mean, we can all relate to that, I think. Except this time, they only got $15 and some liver pills. And they ended up in jail. What went wrong? Let me tell you. They used their patented technique of waiting until the train slows down on a curve and then boarding it, being super polite to everybody and getting the engineer to stop, unhook the mail car, and then drive the rest of the train a few miles down the track. But they messed up they unhooked the wrong car. The car that they unhooked and robbed was the international mail car. And it only had $15 and some liver pills in it. I guess back then, there was not a lot of high-valued pieces being sent in international mail. It was basically worthless. If I were to translate what $15 and liver pills equals in today's money, it would probably still be the same as $15 and liver pills. It wasn't the score they wanted. The car they wanted to unhook was the one in front of that one which is now miles down the track, attached to the rest of the train. That one had $80,000 in gold bricks in it. Yeah, big mistake. But they didn't want to get caught, so they grabbed their 15 bucks in liver pills and got out of there. But this train robbery really pissed off the CPR and the provincial police. So now they upped that reward to $15,000. Remember, we're talking in 1906. These lads might not take a Dempsey or a Lewis in the prize ring, but in a countryside skirmish, they have a way of manual dexterity that commands respect or else. They soon learn that the confidence derived from a good right fist is far better than the so-called security of the hand. And not only do they have the provincial police after them, they have American detectives, cowboys, special constables, indigenous trackers, bloodhounds. Everybody is looking for these guys. They stayed on the run for six whole days before they were arrested and thrown into jail with a life sentence. All that for 15 bucks and some liver pills. Ouch. But the story doesn't end there. A year later, in August of 1907, Bill Miner escaped. How did he escape? It's very technical. Are you ready for this? He dug a hole under a fence. Oh, to be a criminal in 1907 when you can just dig a hole under a fence. So secure. After he escapes, no one turned him in, and they couldn't find him, partially because he had the support of the Canadian people. They would say things like, oh, old Bill Minor ain't so bad, he only steals from the CPR, and they've been robbing us for years. If you steal from a large corporation, or the government, and no one gets hurt, it feels like a victimless crime. I'm not saying it is, but it's part of the thing that I love about this story. Now he's got this Robin Hood-like myth around him. There's even stories of him taking some money he stole and paying off a widow's mortgage. He was just that kind of guy. And if you're going to be on the run, that's definitely the kind of guy you want to be. Bill Miner remained at large until 1911, when he was eventually arrested again in Georgia. They found Bill Miner hiding in an old boxcar in a swamp, just like out of a movie. You can't write this stuff. So they stuck him back in prison, but he escaped. Twice. Twice. Each of these escapes were very short-lived, and he eventually did die in prison. He's remembered today for a number of reasons. One is the longevity of his career, almost 50 years as an outlaw. He had a personality uh, of a man who just refused to give up. He was able to adapt very quickly to new environments, new geographical areas, new societies, new technology and he was a charming man, he was funny, he was bright, he was educated, and he was somebody who reveled in his reputation. At the time of his death he had a national reputation as a criminal. That's the story of Bill Miner, the first Canadian train robbery. Also, he committed the last Canadian train robbery. So he really bookended that nicely, I think. I wish there were more movies about Bill Miner. This guy is a legend. I love this story. I love how bad of a criminal he was, but also how legendary he became. It's exactly my kind of theme. Not that you should go around stealing anything anyways, but if you're going to do it, do it like the Gentleman Bandit, with a smile on your face, a huge mustache, and leaving everyone feel like, that guy ain't so bad. Liver pills may have been the downfall of Billy Miner. If you have a supplement brand from liver pills to CBD gummies, ShipBob, who is making this series possible, specializes in safe, secure warehousing and fulfillment for supplement brands like DropFX and TB12. If you want to learn more about ShipBob and their fulfillment for your DTC brand, click the link in the episode description. Original Heist is hosted by me, Wes Barker, mixed and sound designed by Amal Delich and written by Lucas Walker.